Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome back to the Fantasy End Podcast. This week is a special episode. Uh, we have with us two other podcasters joining me to talk about, well, how we talk about fantasy books. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show, Calvin Park and David Walters. Uh, so I guess, Calvin, could you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Calvin Park. I um, host the Under a Pile of Books podcast uh, and have a lot of fun doing that. And I also uh, review over at Fantasy Book Review. Yeah, and David? Yeah, so uh, David Walters, um, I have a podcast called Authors on a Podcast Talking Books that I've been doing for a little under a year, uh, and then I run the blog fanfightaddict.com. Fantastic. So just in general, I know 2020 has been a weird year, so just how have y'all been holding up lately? Uh, I've been doing really well. Um, You know, I've actually, uh, this summer has been a little weird for me reading-wise, but the past couple of weeks I have uh, kind of gotten back into a, a normal rhythm like for my reading and uh, a little bit more of a normal rhythm in terms of uh, podcasting and, and uh, recording episodes and stuff. So it's, it's feeling pretty good to me and I, I kind of like feeling like I'm in some sort of a rhythm, which has not been the case for most of 2020, for me anyway, and well, probably for most of us. <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been pretty interesting. Uh, it's, it's been nice, you know, to work from home. And, uh, of course my wife and I had our, uh, had our baby girl in June, but I mean, honestly, as far as like the reading goes, it's been, uh, it's been pretty much in the toilet. <laughs> it's like March. I mean, uh, I've, I've, uh, had a lot of interviews. I had a convention I did in May, uh, virtually with about 35 authors. Um, uh, and I feel like I've been pretty good on that front, but as far as reading goes, yeah, it's been, uh, so pretty, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know, at least for me, I normally have a pretty hefty commute to and from work. So that's normally a good 60 or 70 audiobooks in a year. And uh, that has not been happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I miss my audiobooks on the way to and from work and at work. Um, you know, I, I was like, oh, having a baby when she takes naps, I can listen to my audiobooks while I'm working. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. You can listen out for <laughs> strings and, you know, check out for spit up and all kinds of stuff. So, <laughs> So audiobooks pretty much go out the door. <laughs> yeah, my, my commute was always my time when I listened to podcasts. So it, it took me probably like a good three months of of looking around and going, when when am I going to have time to actually listen to my podcasts? And I again, I've gotten back into a rhythm now, but for a while there it was a little touch and go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always uh, too chaotic with my podcasts anyways. I think I have like 540 so on the go at any given point in time. I just compulsively subscribe to everything. You know, I actually don't really listen to podcasts, uh, I, I, which I find, you know, I guess it's pretty weird to have my own podcast. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I've listened to a few every now and then. I've had some recommended to me, but I don't know. It's just, uh, it's never a medium I've been into because I just started listening to audiobooks and that makes me like barely listen to music now. Um, it's just all audiobooks all the time. And of course, now it's nursery rhymes and whatever. <laughs> I'm the baby down. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess getting into the meat of the episode, then uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about for how we talk about books, obviously, we're all three reviewers uh, for three different blogs. And so I guess that's kind of the natural starting point. So book reviews, how do we approach them? 
whoever wants to take that first. Yeah, I guess I'll start. Um, yeah, so uh, as far as like kind of approach, I mean, basically, you know, you get to reading a book, you kind of sit on it for a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people that take, you know, notes as they're reading, uh, or they have to take several days to really get their thoughts on it. Honestly, depending on like how much time I have, when I finish reading a book, I'll automatically start writing the view. Sometimes I'll even have like the template already set out before I start writing. So that way it's all still fresh in my mind, especially the ending. Uh, Because usually an ending is what's really going to motivate me to actually get to the review. (laughs) Because I mean, if if the ending is bad, I'll probably just shelve it for a little bit and then come back to it. But uh, you know, typically, especially especially here, probably in the last year, um, you know, I, I don't write quite as many reviews as I used to, uh, just because I don't. It's it's kind of like that. You know, you don't have time to read everything. Well, I don't have time to review everything. So you know, it's it, it, you know, I'll look more at like what what's coming out further in the future than like what's out the past couple of weeks. Like if something's already been out, been reviewed several times. I'll kind of just do my little Goodreads check mark and move on. But if it's four, five, six, seven, eight months ahead, I'll be like, I can probably go ahead and write a review for that one. <laughs> you know, get that one knocked out. And maybe I, maybe I can be one of the first to feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> yeah, it's a fine line though with that because I know timing wise, some publishers are like strict, okay, you can only post it two weeks before or one month before release date or something. And others just really don't care. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, here recently, Orbit's kind of uh, kind of done that for a couple of their sequels. Like I know the Fires of Vengeance, they want everybody to hold theirs off. Uh, I think until a month of, um, and I think there's a couple of others. I know like Tor.com. I think they usually want uh, a couple of weeks ahead of publication. But honestly, I mean, if I've already got a pretty good rapport with um, publicity, and maybe I've got an interview set up or something with the author, uh, they're usually okay with me, you know, pushing it out early. Um, but yeah, there are some publicists that like you'll send your review over to them. And they're like, you didn't post that, did you? And they go, I mean, I kind of did, but I can take it off of me too. <laughs> and then it's it really frustrating as the months go on. You've been sitting on this thing for six months, and all these other people have posted the reviews. They're like, did they not get the same memo I got? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, I felt like my words really would have would have gotten the pre order wagon going, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Calvin? Yeah, I mean, in terms of of kind of how I uh, I approach reviews generally, it's kind of like David. Um, I I will tend to write a review pretty soon after I uh, finish a book, um, at least get it started. You know, it, it may go through a couple drafts, um, but I do take uh, some notes while I'm reading. They're very rough notes, typically just something that I grab my phone and like. Um, make a note on there and, and, and just, you know, keep adding to it or whatnot, just to kind of basically things that I want to jog my memory uh, whenever I sit down to write the review, uh, either something that really worked well for me, or I liked something that the author did with, with this character or with this plot point or with that scene, uh, or maybe something that didn't connect with me. And I'm a little, uh, typically if that happens, it's because I'm a little annoyed with something, you know, because I felt like it should have been done better or wasn't wasn't foreshadowed enough or something of that nature. I'll just make some some quick notes and then go back to those after I finish the book and uh, start to uh, to write my my review or whatnot. Um, it also helps me just uh, kind of doing that also helps me to to kind of keep in mind even as I'm reading to kind of make notes about what other people 
might be interested in knowing uh, about the book. I try to keep my reviews pretty spoiler free, um, but you know, I also try to keep in mind that uh, you know I have my preferences and whatnot when it comes to to fantasy books and and tropes and how to do things and and other people uh, may kind of have a have a different take on that. And so I always try to keep that in mind when I'm writing my reviews. For instance, I love hard magic systems and plenty of other people do not like hard magic systems. And so I always try, you know, whenever I'm maybe critiquing a magic system, I try to keep in mind and and add into the review just the idea that, you know, hey, I like hard magic systems and that's why I liked this or didn't like this. Um, you know, your mileage may vary sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, I kind of do some similar things to what both of you do. With Kindle, it's a lot easier for me to highlight like key passages or just like something where when I'm scrolling throughout the end, I'm like, okay, yeah, I wanted to look at this passage again so I could like write some notes down there, um, even if I'm not like physically taking notes. And then before I write my final review, I have like, okay, what's a bulleted list of like the main things that I really want to talk about for this book? And then as I'm writing my review in like a different tab, I try to make sure I hit all of those key points. But on the note of spoilers, that kind of raises a question for me. So obviously, if you're too spoilery in your review, like people may not want to read the book. They feel like it's ruined. So who is the intended audience for our review? Is it people who have already read the book and want to get other opinions? Is it people who you're trying to convince to pick up the book? Or, you know, like some kind of mix between or totally different? I'm always trying to convince somebody that's never read the book. (laughs) For sure. I I don't put any spoilers in mine. Um, I, I honestly just try to highlight you know, the things that I really enjoyed about it um, that I think somebody else would enjoy. Um, And then, you know, if if there are things that didn't grab me, uh, you know, because typically with with books that I read, especially in fantasy and science fiction, if if I can't connect with the the characters, that's going to be a main focal point of my review uh, because that's what invests me in what the author is trying to portray uh, because following along somebody in a story is more likely going to lead me to continue on with that story. If I'm not grabbed, you know, in the first 50 or 75 pages, I just go ahead and move on and go, okay, there's, there's, there's no redeeming quality to, to any of these characters that I've already been introduced to. So let's move on. But yeah, I mean, spoilers, I mean, you know, you can put spoilers into a review and, and obviously, you know, have all kinds of warnings and so forth, or, you know, make it, you know, white text where somebody has to highlight it to see it, which I know a couple of my co-reviewers have done that before. But, um, you know, most of the stuff that I put into mind are, are really just, you know, this, this is what I enjoyed about it. And I think other people that enjoy those things will find, you know, fun about it or, uh, you know, I, I think this is the reason that you should probably buy it. Or if you're in this camp, you know, this, this is for you kind of like, you know, what, uh, publicists do and, uh, you know, marketing types do for book publishers where they say, you know, if you like Joe Abercrombie and Brent Waits, you'll love this stuff. Uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like that with, you know, world building and magic systems and, you know, flawed characters and redeeming characters and et cetera. Um, I, I like to highlight those kind of big things and then, you know, and then on the vice the vice versa of it, if, if there's a review that I feel like I need to write that maybe not, it's not scathing, but it's not great, uh, you know, to kind of warn people off that everybody's looking forward to this book, but I kind of felt like it was this. I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but you may find yourself in the same camp at some point. Yeah, for me, the, the way I try to conceive of uh, what, I'm, what I'm attempting to do with my reviews is, you know, 
I mean, certainly like we all have those like, you know, nine star, 10 star books where like, you're just like, yeah, go get this. This is so awesome. And, and I just have all kinds of good things to say about it. And I'm so excited. And please somebody read this so that I can squee with you. Um, <laughs> you know, and those, those are like the, those are super fun to write. And I love having those kind of experiences as a reader and also as a reviewer. But I generally try to conceive of my reviews as telling people enough about the book that they can make an informed decision about whether or not they might like it. Because there are sometimes, uh, like, say, a book that maybe I give, say, six stars to or something, which, you know, on like a Goodreads scale would translate to like three stars or whatever. That may still be a book that, that I found some things to like and maybe some things that I didn't like. But I recognize that for another person, that could easily be seven or eight stars for that book, just because they have different tastes than I do. And so that's something that I'm trying to do with my reviews is not necessarily convince someone to go pick up a book, though certainly if I love it, I want them to do that. But whether I loved it or whether I liked it or whether I was kind of meh toward it, um, or even even if it's a negative review and you know I I didn't really like it or I actively disliked it, I try to keep in mind that you know there are other people that might like it, uh, and so I'm I'm still trying to communicate again without spoilers uh, the themes that I liked in the book, the the elements that I liked or didn't like to give my readers uh, or whenever I'm I'm doing a review on my podcast, give my listeners. Uh, an opportunity to say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, I might like that even though he didn't, or, hey, he really liked that part of this book, but that's probably going to annoy me. So, you know, I'm going to pass, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to give folks enough information that they can make a informed decision, but I'm trying to do that without spoilers, which that can be challenging sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, more of an art than a science for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I will say that I don't uh, I don't write reviews that will just lead somebody to buy it just because um, you know I, I don't I don't want to be dishonest in a review that you know sit there and give ten stars to something that I felt like I really deserved eight because X Y Z um, you know because I got a copy and I know the person you know the author or whatever you know I, I try my best to be as I guess third party about it as I can you know that. That I, I have no ties to giving this book a good rating. I have no ties to sitting here and what, like Calvin said, squeeing about it. Um, you know, if if I didn't in fact feel that way, um, you know, like there, there's one book, case in point, that I just read and loved was Ring Shout. It's a novella uh, by E. Jelly Clark that comes out from Tour in October. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of you know it's kind of like a timely novella. Uh, and so, you know, there, there could be some feelings there, you know, from certain people that read it that may make them enjoy it more. Um, but I mean, I read it, it was just absolutely astounding. Um, you know, and it was, it was like dark fantasy meets like historical fiction and stuff. And, and it's just one of those books where I'm just like, everybody has to read this, whether it's in your wheelhouse or not kind of thing. Um, but you know, there, there's also, you know, some books where, you know, I, I'll sit there and, and 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 say, you know, this this is not for me. But kind of like Calvin was saying, but you might like it because of X, Y, Z. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're going to come across those all the time. But you know, even with 
you know, three star on Goodreads or even two. Like there was, um, I'm thinking of ending things by Ian Reed, uh, came out a couple of years ago. It's, it's a Netflix movie. I think it comes out next month. Um, I, uh, I came across it on Goodreads and I think like it had a, a two or two and a half rating, like overall on Goodreads out of like thousands of reviews. And I go, I've got to know like why this has such a low rating. It sounds really intriguing. And I read the book and absolutely loved it. Like it was a five-star read for me. Mm. But you know, you just have to kind of go in and you read, you don't you don't look at the stars. You you actually look at the review and go, okay, why did this person really enjoy it? Why did this person not enjoy it? Why did this person think it's okay? And you go, all right, I think I could be in you know that person's camp. I see why they didn't like it. I don't really understand why they you know seeth- like seethingly you know hated it or whatever, but you know, it's it's one of those things where I've kind of given up looking at ratings and I've looked more at actual like thoughts. And so, you know, that and that's why I changed my scale from five stars to ten on my on my blog, because I don't feel like five actually gives enough room to really give a rating. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Because some people see some people see like three stars and like, oh, it's not good. And I'm like, no, I mean it's it's good. It's not great. But it's good. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, but like you know, a six or a seven looks better than a three, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent. That's um, I've tended to use a, a ten star rating just because of that. And even then, you know, there are times when I get really annoyed at having to kind of settle on a rating when it comes to a review, just because sometimes I'm just like, I I just want to talk about this book and here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Does it really matter what the rating is? Like, and and frankly, when I look at reviews, I'm, I'm not necessarily looking at the rating most of the time. You know, I'm looking at, at what someone wrote about it. And sometimes I've read a, you know, review that might be say a three star, you know, review on Goodreads or something, which is, you know, kind of, average middle of the road whatever and i've read the review and i'm like this sounds like something that i would love um you know and i've gone and, and picked up the book and indeed I, you know i've loved it and it's been a five star uh book for me a 10 star book you know whatever so yeah I, I i i'm not just my personal take is i'm not huge on ratings i'd rather read the actual thoughts of the reviewer so mm-hmm. absolutely yeah see i i agree with that to the point that I actually don't leave star ratings on any of my actual blog reviews. I'll give star ratings on the unfortunately limited to five stars on Goodreads, but <laughs> on actual blog reviews, I don't, uh, largely for those reasons. Um, and also because one, my opinions on a book can change over time uh, in terms of where I would have rated it exactly. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I used to like numerically rate everything. Then when it came time for best of the year for me, I'd like sort by my top books. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'd actually agree that these are the ones that I want to be <laughs> the final 10 or whatever that I'm mentioning. Right. Like it's kind of changed over time. Yeah, no, I, that, that's exactly right. And sometimes, uh, you know, a, a, a book, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a you know, fine wine. It, it improves with age, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can. And I mean, there, there's, you know, there's been a couple of years in the past where I've done my best of, and I go, did I really rate this many books this high? Like, did I, did I rate anything lower than this? Oh yeah. Wait, I don't write, I don't write reviews on my blog, like below three stars. That's probably one reason because usually I get <laughs> what I'm done. Um, but yeah, I was going through and be like, you know, 
now that I'm thinking about it, this book actually deserves that extra half point or something. And then actually be in my top 25. And, you know, I don't, I don't really know if this one deserves to be above that one, just based on, you know, now going back and thinking about it. But yeah, Travis, I know exactly what you mean. And I mean, I don't think I'll ever get away from a rating system. Um, I just feel like that's kind of ingrained in, in the blog now. And I feel like, you know, people, depending on what your rating is, will actually continue to scroll down. I mean, that's just my opinion. They, they probably will or won't scroll down regardless. But, you know, I feel like if you leave a nine or a 10, people are like, oh, well, I'm really glad that you're, you know, that enthusiastic about it. I'll have to check it out. And I've, I've gotten that a few times from some of the people that follow my blog. But honestly, it's kind of few and far between. I, I really, I don't even put my rating when I retweet it. Uh, I'll just put like a little, little snapshot blurb uh, and tag the author and the, and, the, and the publisher in it and just move on to the next thing. Because honestly, they don't look at the ratings anyway. <laughs> it's like, did they enjoy? Okay, cool. Move on. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I get the impression as well that sometimes publishers, uh, which I guess are to a certain extent another audience for our reviews, mostly only care that you leave a review, and even then, mostly only care that you leave a review on Amazon, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> they'd be perfectly happy to give an arc your way if it just means you rate a book three stars on Amazon because it bumps that number up. Oh yeah, yeah. They they you know because I think it was the magic number fifty on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think fifteen or fifty. I think is what people guess. I think everyone tries to reverse engineer that mysterious algorithm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amazon, you know. Yeah, yeah. The algorithm that you know, like that we wish like Facebook could do, but they continue to to like break it, and it just continuously. Facebook worse, and like I, I keep thinking about deactivating my Facebook. But now that we have a baby, it's just all about baby pictures. So I'm like, well, I'll be on here for the five people who actually care to follow me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess moving on a little bit from reviews, uh, another thing I wanted to hit on is like how when we talk about books, is it different, like based on the medium that we're talking in, right? So we've mostly been talking about written reviews that we get the time to collect our thoughts in advance, prepare something, and then send it out all at once into the world. Uh, And that's kind of like, even as bloggers, not the main way I feel like I talk about books. Uh, A lot of times it's like chatting with someone on social media, like tweeting back and forth, or like maybe real time in a Discord server, or even Calvin, I know you do a lot of audio kind of reviews in your podcast. So those are all different, I feel like, than a written review. So I guess like, how do you guys feel that we differ in how we talk about books based on those mediums. Yeah, well, I mean, like, so you you mentioned doing uh, like audio reviews, which I do a, a lot of on my uh, podcast. And for me, I feel like my my written reviews are kind of, you know, they're very like, I think about what I'm going to say. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I try to try to use different turns of phrases and, you know, just that that kind of thing. And then like my audio reviews are like, I mean, just... You, you can listen to them, right? I mean, I'm like, this book was awesome. It was so cool. It was really cool and awesome. And <laughs> you maybe should read it too because it was so cool. And I feel like that's how they end up. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very, for me, when I do audio reviews, it's much more um, informal and you're often getting uh, with an audio review uh, sort of my almost like what you would get if you ran into me like on the on the sidewalk 
five minutes after I finished a book, right? You're getting kind of my gut reaction, my, my initial uh, reaction to things before I've done really uh, too much thinking at all um, about it. Even if I'm recording the review several days after, you're still, that's just kind of the vibe you get. And, it, you know, that's probably, uh, for me anyway, a little bit more similar to like what I do on, you know, like like you mentioned, Travis, uh, uh, talking to folks on on Twitter or whatever, or even like in real life, face-to-face or, you know, whatever that looks like now in the world of COVID-19. Uh, so, you know, like mask to mask, whatever, um, you know, but, but, but like talking to people, uh, like with that, uh, like, like, like that kind of personally, for me anyway, I often have this trouble, like, like in the written medium, I can do a pretty good job of kind of talking about what I think is really cool about a book doing it with words i'm i feel like i'm just like uh, like with spoken words i'm just like please read it it was good like and, and I, I all my words fail me so <laughs> yeah see I, I don't do a whole lot of like reviewing uh audio wise i mean all my reviewing is really kept to the blog and goodreads and amazon um all all of my podcast episodes and now my book two episodes are really just interviews um, and then, you know, like I said, I, I had the Mayday Con convention uh, back in May um, where, you know, we had panels. And so we just had panel discussions. So, I mean, we'll, we'll sit there and, and, and do like book recommendations and we'll, you know, and you can kind of hear me do the same kind of stuff that Calvin does when a book is brought up and I go, oh my gosh, that book is so good. That's literally like the only reaction I have <laughs> that I enjoyed. Um, cause I feel like I'm, I'm way more articulate, uh, when I write because I can Google synonyms cause I really run out of synonyms for books. Um, and, and it, it, you know, every now and then you, you'll see the same breathtaking across like four reviews and across a couple of different months. But like, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm not articulate and I feel like I'm pretty smart, but honestly, I don't know if it's the Southern draw when I talk to certain people or, um, it's just that I, I can't find the words sometimes. So I, I, I never, I've never done a review on video or on audio because I think I'll just kind of ramble and just go, the book was good. The characters were good. I really enjoyed this character and just be very blunt about it <laughs> and not really like get hyped up about it. Cause I'll be so worried about what I'm saying, uh, that I won't make sense. And I'll just ramble like I'm rambling now. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think there's kind of an unfiltered sort of honesty to that, like whether you're talking to someone in person on the street, although uh, one, there's not a lot of on the street in person going on now in 2020. (laughs) And two, uh, even before that, you couldn't really do that about fantasy books with most people. Um, But yeah, if you're talking to someone in real life or uh, I guess the closest social media for me is like Discord, because like you have the real time, you can see who's typing, like it's back and forth really quickly. Um, like then it's a lot more of squeeing or raging about a book than anything else. Um, but yeah, the long form of reviews, I feel like is definitely a little more coherent. Uh, but I mean, there's appeals to both. Yeah, I think, you know, to some extent, I think um, sort of those more informal, whether whether Discord or whether it's an audio review or, or you know, just talking to someone ab- about the book. Uh, I, I think sometimes that one of the things that that can happen especially like when you're talking on discord or twitter because it's two-way communication there's actually like oh i like this book because xyz and then somebody says oh i like z tell me more about that and and you can actually like say that you know whereas 
whether it be a, a review on a podcast or whether it be a, a written review on our a blog, you know, it's just one-way communication. So uh, there's not really a chance for back and forth uh, and and real conversation to happen around something. So I I kind of like times whenever that that actual conversation can happen because it, it lets you actually share a little bit more about what was enjoyable about the book or conversely, maybe something that you didn't really like and it didn't connect with you. So, Right. I'll say probably the only downside of that form of conversation is inevitably one or two people jump in with being, oh, hey, this sounds like my book. I think you would like to read my <laughs> book. Here's the link. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Goodreads syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I see you read this very highly. Here's a link to my Amazon page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason I don't do reviews um, on on like audio form or video form is just because typically when I'm doing my podcast for my book team, I, I want to hear more about the other person that I'm talking to because I don't. I don't. Mm. I, I've only recorded two videos of myself, and that was just a getting the book team started, and then b telling people about MadeCon. And everything else has been, there's been somebody else on camera. And I literally just ask a question, sit there and smile. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I hate talking about myself. Um, and so I think that's part of it. I'd rather know about other people than just sit there and go, oh, I like this book because this. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I, don't know what the, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with it. But I just, <laughs> I, I've never, I, I'm, I'm a marketing major, but I've never enjoyed talking about myself or, you know, marketing myself i guess so that's probably that's probably why it's probably why i don't have too many subscribers <laughs> <laughs> well uh so that's kind of a natural segue because we all three of us have done quite a few author interviews uh and in a sense that's kind of an indirect way of talking about the books right because we're typically having them on our podcast or our youtube channel to get them talking about their books to talk about their books and hopefully uh convince some people to maybe give their book a try yeah it, it really just kind of blindsided me into into doing it. Um, I think it's just because I it was doing was doing book reviews. You know, was getting in with publishers, and they were like, "Hey, so and so's got a debut out. You know, why don't you read it?" And I just kind of started becoming kind of infatuated with a few authors, like as far as their writing goes. And I would you know talk to them on social media a little bit, and we'd kind of develop a little bit of a. I mean, if you can call it a friendship, I guess you can. Um, it's kind of it, it's kind of weird having a friendship when you never really met the person, but um, but yeah. And and they would say this author is also available for interviews, and I go, well, that'd be kind of cool. I could interview some authors; that'd be pretty neat. And I was like, I'm start a podcast, and told my wife that, and she was like, Yeah, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> and I was like, No, I, I really do. I think this is gonna be fun. Um, and so yeah, I you know it's. It, where I go, okay, who who has books coming out in the next three to six months? I'm going to send out a feeler to like 30 authors that have that I know have a book coming out next year. And I want to see how many respond. And when I got 29 out of 30, I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And, and so I just branched it out and I go, okay, these four authors have a book coming out in February. Let's push it. You know, let's do it in January. We'll go ahead and start getting them to, to push their book. And you know, we'll we'll talk about everything about that book, and then we'll we'll squeeze in some time to talk about some of their previous stuff if they have previous stuff. And then at the same time, they get an opportunity to, to recommend other books by either debut authors 
or um, you know publishing buddies or you know whatever you know if, if there's an orbit author and they have you know they're a, a 2019 voice and there's six others that are also you know their original debut with orbit sit there and go well you should you read them too and that guy and then you know I read this book and it was phenomenal and I feel like if you enjoy that author's book that you're talking to you're more than likely going to pick up something they recommend. It's kind of like book blurbs. You know, if I see Stephen King recommend something, I'll probably buy it. Yeah, enjoy it. But Stephen King, I love everything he's written. So why not take a chance? Um, and so, yeah, that just kind of, it kind of became a thing where, you know, it wasn't even really just talking about their books. I, I did it to learn about their lives and how they got into writing and what the writing process is. Because everybody is completely different. And I honestly never really thought that was going to be the case. I don't know why. Um, and then I would go, okay, now we're going to talk about you know some of your previous stuff. And then we're going to really get into the meat of, okay, this book's coming out in two weeks, three weeks, two months, whatever. Give me the nitty gritty and what we can expect. And, you know, what, you know, what it's kind of like, what other authors out there have something similar and so forth. And, and that way, you know, people that listen in, it can at least put a bug in their ear if they haven't heard about it or if they've heard about it and they're like, you know, I want to know more about it kind of stuff. So that's, that's kind of what got me into it. Yeah. For, for me, you know, one of the things I always try to do um, with author interviews is um, give an author a, a chance to really kind of introduce themselves as it were. And so a lot of my, like a lot of the questions I tend to ask in author interviews are uh, like process questions. So like, you know, how'd you come up with, you know, this element of your world building or do you have a favorite arc in, you know, this book or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, because for, for me often when, when I'm going, uh, you know, either reading or listening to an author interview, one of the things I really like is, is to get a feeling for who the author is. And and David was kind of saying this, you know, who they are as a person, you know, I can read reviews about their book. Uh, so when, when I listen or read interviews, I'm not necessarily just looking for them to kind of pitch their book in, in an interview format. You know, I really like getting to know them. And kind of hearing about their process or, you know, their, their inspiration for this story or those kinds of, uh, of questions. Uh, those are the things that get me excited as a reader. And that's therefore, you know, those are the kinds of questions I tend to, to ask whenever I'm, I'm doing an interview or, 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 you know, uh, talking to an author about, um, you know, about their books or, or really their craft. I almost think about it more as, uh, interviewing an author less on a particular book and more on their their craft um, as a writer, as a storyteller. Yeah, I know, at least based on the type of interviews that I normally enjoy listening to, because like a lot of my podcasts that I listen to while I'm working are just author interviews. I think I've gone through close to a thousand interviews I've listened to now. Uh, so I really like uh, coming at it from the angle of you're not selling people on the book with an interview, you're selling people on whoever you're interviewing, right? Uh, And if you can successfully do that, people are way more likely to be interested in the book from there, um, at least from the marketing side of things. But for like intended audience of interviews, I think of it as largely people who have either never read the book that they're promoting or never heard of the author. And so you're giving them an introduction. So there's not a lot of 
in-depth spoilers or like nitty-gritty uh, on how they put the book together, or uh, people who are already established fans and they're just looking for a little bit of more info on the author themselves. Uh, so like funny stories from when they were younger, part of their journey, uh, any craft questions or uh, craft advice they might have for people who are aspiring writers or established writers, um, kind of appeal to you know readers, writers, uh, friends, family of the author, whatever you know, right? Try to give something for everyone. Yeah, no, that that's exactly exactly it. The one caveat of that is. Um, Brandon Sanderson, if you are listening, I would love to interview you and just spend all of our time talking about what's going to happen in the Stormlight Archive. So <laughs> just putting that out there. That's, we can go as in-depth, as spoilery as you want. Just tell me everything. That, that would be fine. Yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of the at least newer interviews that I've done, and I'll say even, even some of the originals, like I, I really enjoyed talking to Josh Mallerman, you know, author of The Bird Box and, um, and now the new uh, release, Mallory. Um, just like his, his life. I mean, he, he, was, he was a rock and roller who just traveled city to city playing shows and wrote while on the road and then all of a sudden became, I mean, I hate to say an overnight success but i mean you know bird box was the biggest netflix release ever and then you know he had the follow-up mallard which was in my opinion was even better than bird box i mean it's just all these kind of things compounded for him and then uh you know from that you know i would talk to like i said debut authors then others and then i would just talk to ones that i've talked to on social media for a couple of years now and i'm like I just want to talk to this person. So they're like, like I had RJ Barker on uh, a couple of weeks ago and he, he, Josiah Bancroft and Michael Fletcher are probably my three favorite authors to talk to because they are absolutely hilarious. And I could just have a conversation, not even about books, but just about life in general, because they're so interesting and always make me laugh. And so I could probably just have them on every single week not care about who's tuning in, but just to talk with them. It's almost like talking to you know somebody you've known for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. I, uh, I, I interviewed, uh, Katie Edwards, um, back, uh, uh, when, uh, the hangman, uh, was coming out and it was just like, he's just the, the nicest, uh, guy and just, um, had some great stories and stuff. So I love doing that. Um, I actually do a lot of interviews with, um, self-published authors. And, uh, you know, for me, one of the really interesting things about that is, uh, so a lot of, obviously a lot of self-published authors are not, um, you know, uh, full-time writers. And so it, it, one of the things that's always interesting to me is the way that they're, they're plucking, um, inspiration from really sometimes like the oddest things, like something weird that their kid did or a conversation they were having with their spouse or, you know, whatever. Um, just to, it, it really, it's, it, it's, it's neat to see how um, they uh, get inspiration for their stories and also just kind of, you know, some of them have really interesting backgrounds. Like, you know, I'm a patent lawyer or something during the, uh, you know, in my day job. Uh, and then I, you know, I write stories about, you know, uh, magic and, and, and fantasy, you know, uh, in my spare time on the weekends or whatever. And so it's, it's, it's just, to me, those are really kind of interesting things and interesting to, to, to see that, that personal aspect of this stuff. Yeah. I will say that's probably my favorite part too. I know, uh, 
Actually, just last night, I recorded an interview with Andrea Stewart, who has the Bone Shard daughter coming out soon. Uh, oh, yeah, And just yeah, yeah. her story oh, about yeah. how, like, Bone Shard magic came about was amazing. And, like, that was my favorite. Uh, just to say, like, it, it evolved from a questionable food court experience. <laughs> By the way, speaking, speaking of the Bone Shard daughter, if anybody that's listening has the opportunity to read that book, read it and devour it. It's so freaking good. And see, this, this is why I can't do audio reviews because that's what I, I say about like all the books. It's yeah. <laughs> but literally, it's absolutely amazing. I finished it last week. Um, yeah, she she has crafted an amazing magic system. That one, uh, but really, you're you're gonna want to read it for uh, her characters. I mean, she's got five main points of view in it, um, and there's also an animal companion. And who doesn't love an animal? Companion? So. Yeah, well, actually, on that note, uh, since we're talking about how we talk about books, I thought a way to kind of close out that would be nice is actually to talk about some books. Uh, so you kind of already went there, David, with Bone Shard Daughter. But if y'all have another book you want to pitch, uh, I guess, Calvin, if you want to lead off. Sure. Um, so here's here's what I want to what I want to pitch. Uh, and uh, this is uh, the title is The Headlock of Destiny. By Samuel Gately, uh, and so this is a this is a self published book that is basically a mashup of like pro wrestling, think like WWE, uh, with like epic fantasy. All right, um, and it sounds crazy, right? Uh, it sounds almost like on paper when when I say uh, an epic fantasy meets the WWE mashup, it sounds almost like as crazy as saying um, Square Enix characters mashed up with Disney characters, um, you know, and we we end up with Kingdom Hearts with that. Um, and the Headlock of Destiny isn't really like Kingdom Hearts, but uh, it's a lot of fun and just a wonderful kind of heartfelt, uh, in some ways heartwarming sort of book. And you know, it, it's it's one of those stories where there there are emotional beats. And there are moments of pain and struggle, but it's just such an uplifting story and such a like a, a zany concept that it really just gripped me almost from the first page. And I enjoyed the whole thing. Uh, it was probably amongst the the most unique books that I've read concept wise, and and then just also in terms of kind of um plot and 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 all of that as well. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed this one, The Headlock of Destiny uh, by Samuel Gately. Did you have another one you wanted to pitch, David? <laughs> I'm trying to like go back and remember, like, what books have I read? <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, talk, I talked about Ring Shout um, by P. Jelly Clark. Uh, that one was phenomenal. Um, and then, of course, The Bone Shot Daughter by Andrea Stewart. And by the way, she she's an amazing person. Travis, I know you had the opportunity to talk with her. Um, I had her on uh, my my booktube right before our daughter was born, um, and she's just amazing. I, I talk to her actually all the time uh, on social media. Um, but one that I'm actually reading right now uh, by Daniel Polanski, uh, it's called The Seventh Perfection. Um, it's a novella from Tor.com that is uh, written in a very different way that I've ever read anything else. Um, it's in second person, but it's also the only... Uh, everything you read is from the other person in the conversation. So you really know nothing about your your focal point main character. 
and all you're getting is the secondhand conversation. So you're basically reading almost like a script of what you know somebody across the table would be saying to you. Um, and it, it's it's kind of blowing my mind. I'm I'm about halfway through it, and it, it you know it has to deal with gods and. Uh, it's mystery all combined into this just really, really actually short novella. I'm, I'm really kind of that I haven't finished it yet because I should be able to read quicker than this. But um, but it's it's absolutely amazing. And I think it comes out here pretty soon. Um, but you know, honestly, uh, there's not a whole lot from Tor.com that I haven't enjoyed. Uh, so you know, I definitely check it out, especially if you want uh, some shorter fiction. Their, their novellas are usually you know, one to 200 pages and it can be read, you know, in a couple of hours. So, and it actually comes out September 22nd. So I knew it come out soon, uh, but it's called the seventh perfection. Yeah. So I think I'm going to talk about a slightly older book than what you guys mentioned. So I just finished reading the diviners by Libba Bray. And so it's book one of the diviners, uh, Tetralogy, Quadrology, however you say it, four books. Most recent one, uh, it just finished up in February this year. So it's about like this sort of magical Scooby gang in the 1920s New York City uh, as they're taking on this supernatural serial killer uh, who's trying to bring on the apocalypse. And it's full of super, super fun world building stuff. Like, you know, there's your top secret government organizations. There's walking through a dream world. There's a literal steampunk cyborg um, while also tackling heavy-hitting issues like police corruption and radical religious cults and systemic racism. Uh, it's also probably one of the best audiobooks I've ever listened to, like full stop. Uh, between her work with Alex Harrow's 10,000 Doors of January and this, uh, January Lavoie is easily easily one of my all-time favorite narrators now. Um, and she can also sing. So there's songs that are in the book, and she actually sings them, and they're just like eerily good. Uh, so overall, I'd highly recommend The Diviners by Libba Bray. If you like cat and mouse murder mystery plots uh, that don't sacrifice great characters. Travis, I'm going to be honest. You had me at Magical Scooby Gang. So <laughs> and that, Honestly, I'd say that's fairly accurate. And it is just so much fun and just an amazing book. Yeah, and you were talking about you were talking about Jane Lavoie. Yeah, she, she, she is an amazing uh, audiobook narrator. And she's done hundreds of audiobooks. Uh, it's kind of insane. I, I feel like she never has a, like a dull moment or a day off. Uh, I mean, from Star Wars to mysteries to science fiction to fantasy, I mean, it's all over the place. So, I mean, you know, if, if you want a good place to start an audiobook, definitely look up January LaVoy. Yeah, she's just truly incredible. Well, any final thoughts on how we talk about books? There's no wrong way to talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, you know, I, I know there's, uh, you know, ton, I always see posts on Twitter and sometimes on Reddit about, you know, how do you start a blog and how do you write reviews and what you should and shouldn't do in reviews and what you should and shouldn't say, you know, when talking about books. I mean, there's, there's really no right or wrong. I mean, everybody's going to have their opinions about certain things, um, but you just have to, you just have to write what you feel. Um, you don't want to try to, 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 you know, take after somebody else or, you know, cause everybody strives to be Patrick Leo. I mean, let's be honest, everybody, everybody <laughs> to, 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 to write reviews for novel notions, but, um, you know, it's, 
I've, I've always looked at him as kind of like the pinnacle. I mean, because we used to write reviews together on Book Nest back in the day, which was like five years ago, but back in the day. Um, and, you know, I, I've always looked at his reviews as kind of like the top, you know, because, you know, they're very thorough and he always writes just, just, humongous reviews um and i and i'm sitting here with my measly like three or four paragraphs but um you know as much as i wish i could write reviews like him i just know a i don't have the time and b i just i just can't and so i try not to sit there and go well i can't write reviews like him so i'm just not even gonna to, to write a review i i literally just go okay how do i feel about this book what do i want to tell everybody if, if I'm, you know, if I really enjoyed it, what can I say that, you know, may sell somebody on it, even if it's just one, you know, one person that it changes their life or something, but you know, there, you can't sit there and get caught up in what everybody else is doing. You've got to kind of do your own thing. And honestly, standing out from the crowd is probably going to do your, do your, do you more of a service than trying to, to copy others. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I just add that, you know, you don't have to, you know, be like a professional or e- even quote unquote, like a, like a, you know, official reviewer or something. Uh, you don't even have to have a blog. You can uh, review books, you know, on Amazon and on Goodreads. And, you know, um, doing that uh, can really be a help to, to authors. Um, but even more than that, it can be a help to, you know, other readers who are trying to figure out what their next read should be. Uh, so even if, you know, it's a couple sentences, um, you know, my first reviews were like, you know, four sentences, five sentences, um, just talking about, you know, like, I like this book. Uh, so like, you know, just take the time to do that, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, with books that you like. And uh, I, I think uh, you won't regret taking the time to, to do it. Yeah, I mean, it pays dividends for sure. Um, I mean, and especially Calvin, like like you're doing with with, with self published. I mean, there there are there are so many amazing self published authors out there that you could have a library filled, you know, in a week. Whereas if you're trying to, to kind of break into the big the big five, um, you know, you could be waiting months and months and months. Sure. Yep. You know, be missing out on all this, all this great stuff, and and I, I kind of kicked myself because I started out with, you know, self published uh, before I even started a blog, and was beta reading and gamer reading and reviewing as much as I could on Amazon, and you know, I was doing the two, three, four sentences, and I build a paragraph, and I felt pretty good about myself, you know, um, but you know, now with Mark Lawrence's uh, Spiffbo and everything, you know, self publishing has gotten to where it's getting pretty close to rivaling the big five, not in, you know, maybe not in sales, but in content. Um, Cause mm, definitely of amazing, you know, fantasy, science fiction, mystery, horror, uh, and indies. And, and I, and honestly, a lot of the horror that I read is indie um, just because it, it was kind of a hard genre to break into until, you know, the Paul Tremblay's of the world really started making it sexy again. So <laughs> if you can make core sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh I can easily at least specifically about reviews like debate uh reviewing craft like for hours on end just because it's so interesting but ultimately it really doesn't matter, right? Like if you want to talk about books, talk about books and however you do it, whatever works for you, that's the correct way to talk about books. Um and if you want to just read and not talk about the books at all and just go on to the next one, that's perfectly valid as well. I think that's probably what 
most people do who are readers. And I, I mean, meanwhile, I'm over here juggling like, okay, like, is there a pull quote that the publicist can pull from this for marketing? Like, is the author going to learn anything from this? Like, do I even have the right to assume that I can teach the author anything? Like, what if I just didn't get what they were going for? And like on and on and on. But yeah, ultimately, just talk about books if you want to, however you do it, that's probably perfectly fine. Yeah, so I think that wraps up this episode for the most part. So thank you guys both for coming on the podcast. Uh, David, how about you tell people where we can find you? Yeah, so uh, the blog is fanfiaddict.com. Booktube is under fanfiaddict. And then uh, my podcast is Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. And then I'm on Twitter at dwalters29 and then Instagram uh, at fanfiaddict. So it's kind of pretty much everywhere you're fanfiaddict. Just type it in and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess you've kind of mentioned your podcast, your blog, uh, your YouTube channel. Anything else you want to plug, David? Um. Can I plug somebody else? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I want, uh, like I mentioned earlier about Patrick Lake, I, I want to plug Novel Notions if nobody has ever visited their site. Um, they have some phenomenal reviewers over there, and they I actually used to share a blog with them on BookNest today. So uh, just just kind of wish them all well. And I think they just hit a hundred thousand views the other day, which is pretty phenomenal because pretty sure he started his blog right before I did. It makes me feel kind of kind of small, but uh, <laughs> but they're, they're amazing reviewers over there. So if you you know have any question about fantasy or science fiction books, they're they're definitely a place to check out. Uh, on top of the other you know great blogs that we follow and uh, and push out there. So yeah, and uh, how about you, Calvin? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find my reviews on fantasybookreview.co.uk. And uh, you can follow me if you would like on uh, Twitter at cpark2005. Uh, the same thing on Goodreads. Uh, you're welcome to follow me over there as well. And uh, you can find my podcast under a pile of books. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to search that up and uh, find it and subscribe. So, And if you do, hope you uh, enjoy. Oh, and I also wanted to uh, take a, a second to to plug, not 100% sure when uh, this episode will drop, but um, September is uh, self-published fantasy month. And I'm kind of part of the, uh, the, the, the team that's sort of putting that together. So you can check out uh, self-pub, uh, selfpublishedfantasymonth.com and uh, get all the info on that. Uh, but it's basically a month to read and talk about uh, self-published fantasy. Um, you can also follow on Twitter, self-pub fantasy month. Uh, and I hope you do that because it's going to be an awesome time of, of talking about some great fantasy. Yeah. And all going well this episode, uh, you'll be listening to it on September 1st. So uh, perfect timing. There you go. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Travis. Absolutely. Thanks again, Travis. And uh, good talking with you, Calvin. Yeah, very good talking to you, David. <laughs>